This is Accentricity, a podcast where I examine the eccentricities of language and identity. It's been about a year since I released episode 4, Learning to Talk, where I met seven kids at different stages in their linguistic development, from newborn Harris to four-year-old Ronan. I enjoyed making that episode so much that I decided to go back and revisit the kids one year later to see how they were getting on with the task of, well, learning to talk. In this episode, I'll be replaying some bits from a year ago, but if you haven't yet listened to episode four, I'd recommend going back and having a wee listen just now. There's also a blog post on the Accentricity website called This Is A Wug, which tells you a bit more about the wug test with pictures. To see it, go to accentricity-podcast.com forward slash blog. Last time I met baby Harris, he was only two months old. He hadn't learnt to lift up his own head yet, and his speech was limited to different kinds of cries, snuffling noises and hiccups. Now, at the ripe old age of 15 months, he's transformed into a full-blown toddler. He can run around, he can throw things, he can grab my microphone, he can try and feed me his half-chewed baby rusks. You're going to put that in my mouth? I can tell. (laughs) I don't want to. But thank you. You're very kind. (laughs) He's also a pretty talented dancer. And he's actually pretty proficient at yoga. That one's not a standard baby milestone. His dad's a yoga teacher who's been training him in some of the most baby-friendly moves. Oh, is this dad with dad? Good job. That's great. Wow. Then we're done. Go, Side plank. <laughs> Side plank. <laughs> That's his newest one. That's really good here. That's great. Harris really loves to move. And while I was around, he was more keen on showing me his moves than he was on sitting and chatting to me, which is fair enough. But he also has a few words now. Does he have any um, words that you know what they mean, but nobody else would know what they mean? Well, I think car. Cause it's car. Just, car. Car. <laughs> and he does try to say duck, which sounds exactly like duck. car. Yeah, duck. Is that duck? We'll show you duck. Maybe you can say duck. Because it's like, I can tell the difference between duck and car, but it's really almost the same sound. <laughs> Where's your duck, Harris? Do you know duck? Duck. Duck. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like car. Duck. Car. Duck. Car. Oh, now you're saying duck. <laughs> yeah. It's all about context. It's all about context. Yeah. You would never know the difference between car and duck. When he's looking at a duck, he says duck. And when he's looking yeah. at a car, he says duck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Slightly different. Car. car. That was quite clearly car, right? Yeah, I think that was car. And what's that one? He looked a bit angry when he said it as well. Like, <laughs> it doesn't say the same. car, yeah. Yeah. You're good. That's one that is a little bit confusing, but... We Car. understand you. Car! Yeah. At one year old, there's no doubt that Harris knows how to communicate what's on his mind, and he clearly understands loads of what we're saying. 
He's also mastered the art of making people laugh, which is pretty much all any of us want to do with language, right? I wish the the podcast was able to record his very expressive body language as well. I know, though. right? Yeah, he communicates more through that. Huh? He's saying a whole lot of stuff with his body language right now. Yeah, he is, he is. I know. I think that fit. he's tired and wants his nap. I think so. Thank you for talking to me, Harris. Yeah. <laughs> is that a no? Last time I saw Mila, she was yet to hit her first birthday, and she was also yet to say her first word. You know when she's like really unhappy and wants me to come and kind of get her, like at night when she's alone or something, she kind of goes, like one of those little weird shaky things, you know, that you had when you were a kid. She was making lots of noise and having a lot of fun doing it, but none of her noises at that point were words that the grown-ups around her could recognise. So does she make any noises that you know what they mean even though... Because she's not said yes. like a recognisable first word, right? No, not really. But do you understand sometimes what she's trying to say? Yeah. If you're not looking at her, that's it. She'll make that noise for you to look at her, so she kind of goes... <laughs> It works as well, doesn't it? <laughs> I look straight at you. <laughs> You're clever. Now, Mila has just turned two, and she has all of the chat. I'm out a few days after Christmas, and she was really enthusiastic about having someone to show her new toys to. Your Oh, what am I coming to see? Your cousin. Your kitchen. Kitchen. Kind of kitchen. Your kitchen. Legs all empty. That's an empty cupboard. She's learned lots and lots of words and started to stick them together to form some pretty complex sentences. She has the sounds and structures she needs to communicate lots of her thoughts and ideas, even if she doesn't always do so quite in the same way as a grown-up would, and even if her ideas are sometimes a little bit off the wall. Bootsy's all away. Bootsy's all away? Huh? Sarah's a love and Santa. Santa's love and Bootsy's Santa. Santa loves Bootsy? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> Bootsy, by the way, is Mila's dog sister, who's about the same size as her, even though Bootsy's older, and who she's quite competitive with. Mila hasn't quite sorted out all of her sounds yet. Her riz become liz or wiz, and grandpa becomes ganpa. But she can now pretty much make herself understood to grown-ups, at least most of the time. CD. Yeah? Stickers. Say that again. Stickers. Stickers. You want to put stickers on? She's also working some stuff out when it comes to talking about ownership and possession, which is a subject that she's really interested in. Come see my pennies. Come see your pennies. (laughs) Absolutely. My pennies. Come and see my pennies. Yeah. Come to see them. Do you want to show me? She knows the word mine and uses it in the same way grown-ups do, as in, no, that's mine. 
but she also uses it where a grown-up might say, my. This my painting. This is in my painting. Oh, is Bootsy messing with your paintbrushes? She's also playing around with marking possession by adding s or z. That's something that grown-ups do, but two-year-olds often haven't worked out yet. Here's Mila doing some working out while showing me a picture of Peppa Pig and her family in a magazine. Mummy Pig, Baby Pig, it's Mila Pig, it's Mila's Pig, Baby's Pig, it's Mila's Pig, Mila's Pig, it's Mila's Pig, this is Peppa Pig. This is Daddy Pig. This is Daddy's Pig. <laughs> Who else is this? Practicing. Look. This one's silly. Thank you. Thank you. Marking possession linguistically is really useful when you want to claim things or cartoon characters like Peppa Pig as yours and yours only. Last time I saw Connie, she was one year old. Hi, Connie. At that stage, she was using what's known as proto-language. So she had sort of words that didn't quite match up with grown-up words, but nonetheless carried some semantic meaning between her and her family. Num, num. Num, num. Showing off your num-nums. So does num num mean food and eating? Uh, yeah. She's hungry and also... I'm hungry. She's enjoying it. I visited Connie at her granny Sheila's house where I also met her mum, Kat, and her dad, Andy. What I made? Because I was quite proud. Was it was mincing potatoes? And I was like, oh my God, she loves it. Because she num 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 the whole way through it. Oh. That's true. Certain things get far more than Can I help you, please? I'm proud. Strawberries get a lot. So it's like a positive reinforcement yeah. thing, like, well done, family. <laughs> Give me more again. Yeah. Now, at two years old, her language resembles adult language much more closely. That's my door. That's the door to the car. That's that wheel. And that's the other wheel. That is a very cool car, Connie. Can you drive it? <laughs> you can You're going to tell Sadie oh, what's this bit here? That's the wind. The window, so that's <laughs> how you can see out of your car. Hello, Grand. Oh, hello. Oh. It doesn't stick What happened? Can you fix the door? I think so, yeah, let's see. Oh, there we go, that's the door all fixed. Is that better? <laughs> That's I'm a very good car. I'm, a, I'm in my car. You're in your car. Can you drive it? Do you know how to drive? Oh. Oh yeah, I can see you're looking for the pedals there. That's right. There <laughs> the pedals. The pedals are where your feet are. <laughs> and then have you got a steering wheel? I have got a steering wheel. There you go. You're coming. I don't think there's room for me. <laughs> Connie's built up a vocabulary of content words like car, wheel, window and gran, but she's also learnt to link these words together into sentences using function words like this and the. 
She's making statements like that's the wheel, asking questions like what happened, and making requests or demands like now you get in. Being a few months older than Mila, she's got more going on in terms of function words. She doesn't just say wheel or that wheel, but that's the wheel. All of this is very cool and impressive, but perhaps even more impressive is the fact that she can drive and even owns her own car. I should point out that the car is really small, not much bigger than Connie is, and that's why I hesitate when she asked me to get in with her. I found the other cushion for you, Granny. Now that she's chatting away, Connie sounds much more recognisably Glaswegian than she did when she was younger. Little kids get their accents from their caregivers, and this process is happening right from the start. But as they start to sound more like grown-ups, we can recognise and perceive their accents more clearly. Connie still doesn't sound exactly like grown-ups do. There are occasional moments where I don't quite understand what she means, but these moments are really to do with context. It is to my shame that I must admit that I'm not massively familiar with the kids' TV show Paw Patrol, and about 20% of Connie's chat is currently Paw Patrol related. Marshall does that. What is Marshall does Marshall? Marshall, who's Marshall? Paw Patrol, you have to learn about Paw Patrol. Oh, you like Paw Patrol? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Mar- who's Marshall? So Marshall's in Paw Patrol. And Chase too. He's too. Chase two. Chase two. It's difficult. Um, I completely understand you, Connie. I do, but I just don't know who some of the people are. That's the problem. (laughs) I met Martha when she was one and a half. Her favourite word is woman. It's hilarious. Martha. Martha. You're gonna say the word nipple. (laughs) She likes nipple. Nipple. She was she was on my I'd have my t shirt off, she was on my chest yeah. and she was just grabbing it. She actually gave me a nipple cripple. I was like, ah, a nipple. Martha was developing really fast last time I saw her, picking up new words nearly every day and beginning to stick them together, saying things like one more. But it was still sometimes difficult to understand everything that she said. And although she had lots of words at that stage, she had a very clear favourite that she preferred over all others. Yeah. What's it what's it like being a baby? No. No. Do you even know you're a baby? No. You think everyone else is a baby apart from you, Martha, don't you? Do you? No. No. Martha's two and a half now and has loads of chat, but she still loves the word no. I don't want to get up yet. No. But no. No. Not yet. What about now? No. Uh-huh. No? No. What about now? No! <laughs> no. Martha's racing ahead with the job of growing up and really enjoys having a wee cousin who's a year younger than her to compare herself to. And who did we go with on holiday, Martha? Fergus. Fergus. Oh, your cousin. I remember hearing about Fergus last time. Mm -hmm. Fergus, your little cousin. 
Yeah. Yeah. See, little and tiny. Yeah. Well, he's not so little, is he? He's about the same height as you. <laughs> I'm bigger. You're, You're a bigger, bigger girl. Just. <laughs> yeah. You're. You are more grown up. Because yeah. you're a year older, aren't you? Yeah. Mm. I am. Yeah. Even for... I'm really bigger. You are really mm. bigger. I can't reach. What can't you reach? I can't reach the ceiling. No, no not I yet. I can't reach the ceiling but either, though. No one else can either. Mm. Ceilings are too high for everybody except maybe giants. Un- maybe Uncle Jack could reach the ceiling. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. That's, he's very tall. She can now use her wide-ranging vocabulary and her complex sentence structures for imaginative play. This is my broomstick. Oh! Donald, wicked witch anymore. Right. Where are you going to fly to? I'm going to fly to Edinburgh. Oh. And not to snow. When it's morning. When it's morning time. So once you've woken up, you're going to fly to Edinburgh on your broomstick? Yes. What are you going to do when you get there? Oh, it's a play. Are you going to do some spells? No. No. You're like a witch that doesn't do spells. I'm not a wicked witch anymore. It's now pretty easy to understand most of what Martha says. And her sentence structures are a lot like adult sentence structures. But there are still some elements of language that she's experimenting with. After telling us that she's not a wicked witch anymore... She takes us through some slightly less whimsical imaginative play where she pretends to get up, wash her hands, have a shower and then go to work for the day. I need to wash my hands. Okay, wash your hands again. Yeah. There you go to wash them. This right here. And then I will wash. You have a bath? Yes, I will go and have a shower. In the bath. If I was going to talk about something I was about to do, I'd probably say either I am going to have a shower or I will have a shower, maybe if I wanted to emphasise the point. Here Martha combines the two, saying I will going to have a shower. So it's not quite the way that an adult might form that sentence, but we still understand what she means. Last time I recorded Kira, she was two and a half. Say hello, Kira. Hello, Kira. She had lots of words and could link them together, but she hadn't quite got the hang of structuring sentences like grown-ups do and changing the shapes of words to fit the words around them. Where a grown-up might say, can we go to Sadie's Park? Two-year-old Kira would say, Come Sadie's Park. You want to go to Sadie's Park? Mm-hmm. <laughs> She was able to communicate her thoughts and feelings and fears, but she didn't always do so using quite the same phrasing as an adult might use. What's wrong? No dragon eat me. No dragon will eat you, no. Now, one year later, she's apparently leapt from being two and a half to being five. I'm five. Are you not five? No, you're not. You're up to here. (laughs) Unfortunately, my recorder wasn't on to catch this, but she greeted me at the door of her flat by shouting, Hello, I'm all grown up now. Do you remember when you were a little baby and you couldn't talk? Do you? 
What was it like? Is that what you sounded like? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you did, really. I don't remember that. <laughs> I remember, what does mummy remember you saying when you were a baby? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Why do babies cry? Because I need to say something. Now that she's three, Kira's pretty fearless. She's no longer scared of dragons. In fact, she loves them now. What's your favourite cartoon, Kira? Dragon Prince! Oh, that is good. Dragon Prince, what's it about? About fighting. About fighting? Yeah. Fighting, are there dragons in it? Yeah. Good, because that would be a bit of a misleading title otherwise. I think if you're going to make a cartoon called Dragon Prince, you have to have dragons in it, right? Do you like dragons? Yeah. Yeah? They put fire on. In case you missed that, Yes, Kira did just say, I should think. I don't think there's a scientific name for the phenomenon where little kids occasionally sound like Jane Austen characters, but it's excellent. Like the other kids, you can probably pick up more on Kira's accent now than you could when she was younger. And I go down a baby flower and it still fits me. And you might notice that she sounds quite different from her mum. That's because her dad's from the south of England. If Kira stays in Scotland and goes to school here, her accent will probably change quite quickly to fit more closely with the accents of her classmates. Like Kira, I had a dad with an English accent and sounded quite English until I went to school. By the time I was about seven or eight, I sounded much more like the other kids in my class. Kira also told me, with some help from her mum, about some of what she got up to over Christmas. Kira um, does not like losing, do you? Mm-mm. What did you do when you lost? What happened at Christmas when we played that game? Do you remember? I don't know. What game was it? Shopping. Mm-hmm. Shopping game. And I, Dad did it first. Dad. But at night, I win. I did it first. The second time you win, but the first time Daddy won, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And what did you do when Daddy won? Cried. Yeah. Did you? Mm-hmm. And then mm. where did you go? Do you remember you went into the All hall? All the way. <laughs> what did you do? Sing the sad song. What about? What was the song about? Losing. Losing. Oh, she how went did into it go? the hall. I'm a loser. <laughs> like that, didn't it? I did it. <laughs> oh no, you're working it. I just think it goes this way so you can spin it. Look. Look at all the pictures. But then you won the game the second time. Yeah, That's and then good. what did you say to Daddy when you won? I win. Did What did you do? You, did you make him smell your feet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and did you say booyah? Yeah. <laughs> Aside from how excellent this story is, it also has a cool linguistic quirk in it. At three... Kira now knows the verb cry, and she's also learnt that if you want to talk about crying in the past, you say that you cried. Like the majority of English verbs, cry is a regular verb, which means that we mark the past by adding id or d or t. Kira's got the hang of regular verbs, but she hasn't yet got the hang of irregular verbs like win. When we want to talk about winning in the past, Adults will usually say that we won, but Kira assumed it's regular and says wind. We call this over-regularisation, 
where kids learn the rule before they learn the exceptions. Kira does the same thing with go, saying I goed on a baby floater instead of I went on a baby floater. But she's already worked out the irregular verb be and says I was, not I beat. She'll pick up the patterns for the other irregular verbs as she grows. But for now, it definitely doesn't make it any harder for adults to understand what she's saying. It's just super cute. Last time, I spoke to Emily and Ronan at their nursery. Unfortunately, this time Ronan wasn't available for an interview because he is very big and important and has graduated to the heady heights of primary one. Emily is also very big and important, but she allowed me to come and visit with her and her mum Jen at their home. Emily was kind enough to take me on a tour of her bedroom. This is a lovely bedroom, Emily. Yeah, so I stand here and look in those two. Those two, okay. Emily definitely sounds the most grown-up like of all of the kids, both because she's the furthest along in her linguistic development and because she seems to have a habit of copying the things that she hears adults saying around her. Putting crayons in it. Oh, that's crazy. That is crazy. Yes, it is. And lollipops, shapes for your nails. Oh, it's like a nail file. Oh, come on. <laughs> I can't see find anything except some toys. There's a game developed by Jean Burko Gleason in the 50s that tests how far along kids are in their linguistic development. It involves showing kids pictures and giving them made-up names for the pictures. I played it with Emily last time we met. Okay, so this is a wag. And now there's another one. So if there are two of them, there are two. Adults can usually work out that the answer is wugs. If you have enough experience with the English language, you understand that we pluralise words by adding s or z at the end. And crucially, you can apply this pattern to brand new words that enter your vocabulary, like the made up word wug. But if you don't have enough experience with English, if you're only three, for example, you might struggle to apply this abstract linguistic pattern to a new word. Last time I met Emily, she was three. So this is a wag, and now there's another one. So if there are two of them, there are two. Chicks. Yeah, excellent. At this stage, Emily did understand plurals when it came to words she already knew, like chicks. But she wasn't able to use this pattern to figure out the plural of wug. So she stuck with the word she already knew. And to be fair to her, the picture of a wug does look a lot like a picture of a chick. You can look at the blog post on the Accentricity website to see for yourself. She used a similar workaround when I asked her for the plural of gutch. So this one here, see this guy? This is a gutch and this is another one. So now there's two of them. So there are two ducks. Gutch. Ducks, ducks, yes, good answer. I then tried it out with verb conjugation. Was she able to take a brand new made up verb and work out that for past tense regular verbs, we add d or d or t? So this is a man who knows how to zip. 
So he's zipping. Oh, you actually get So this man's zipping, right? And he did the same thing yesterday. So what do you think he did yesterday? I don't know. You don't know. If he, so he's zipping today, and he did the same thing yesterday. What did he do yesterday? Um, play games. Play games, yeah. Good answer. Good answer. Not yet. At three, she just didn't have enough linguistic experience to be able to follow the patterns. But now Emily is four. After we've discussed the plot of Frozen 2 and given her mum a makeover, I decide it's time to try the game again. Are you ready? Yeah. Yes? Can you do it? Okay, so this is how the game works. So, do you see this? Yeah. This is a wug. Yeah. Cool. So what's that? A wug. A wug, that's right. And now there's two of them. So there's one wug and there's another one. So there are two. Wugs. That's right. Well done. There are two wugs. Totally. Should we see this next one here? <coughs> so one wug and two wugs. So this is a gutch. So what's that guy called? A gutch, that's right. And two gutches. That's right. You're very quick at this. You're jumping ahead. Okay, okay, okay. So this is a man who knows how to rick. Um, so this is a picture of him and he's ricking. So he did the same thing yesterday. So what did he do yesterday? Yesterday he... Ricked. That's right. Well done. Just one year on from last time, Emily nails every question that I give her. Think you'd maybe like to start school soon? Oh yeah. my goodness, are you going to start school? That's Nearly pretty exciting. Nearly going to school. Nearly going to school, that's really exciting. And then after some holidays, I'm going to be five and then I'll go to, to school, just like Lottie. Just like Lottie. Just like Lottie. It feels almost unfair that after all the linguistic development Emily's already had to do in her life, trying out her vocal apparatus with crying, working out her vowels and then her consonants, sticking her sounds together to make words, linking those words to semantic meanings, sticking them together to change their meaning, changing their shapes to show possession and tense and pluralisation, forming complex sentence structures... Now she has to go to school and learn how to read and write too. I can't tell you how cool it was seeing the kids again one year on and seeing how much they've grown. A lot can change in a grown-up life in one year, but nothing compares to the changes kids go through in that space of time. I'd like to say a huge thank you to the babies and toddlers in this episode and to the parents and grannies who invited me to visit. Harris, Angie, Braxton, Mila, Nicola, Connie, Kat, Andrew, Sheila, Martha, Jenny, Ewan, Kira, Joanna, Emily and Jen. And also thanks to Ronan and his mum Lindsay, although we didn't manage to meet up this time around. Thanks again to Jennifer Smith at Glasgow Uni for helping me out with the linguistic theory discussed in this episode. Thanks to those who've recently signed up on Patreon or donated to the podcast. Sinead Callahan, Mitchell McKee, E. Jameson, Isabel Papadimitriou, 
Helen Nolan and Wendy Kelleher. Thanks, as always, to John McDermott for help with editing and production and to Seb Philp for making the music. You can find Accentricity at AccentricityPod on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook and you can email accentricity.podcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you if you'd like to chat more about the wonders of baby talk. Bye for now.